0: Hello and welcome to episode 58 of Cincinnati, the Bengals UK podcast that is on its knees. Yes, uh, the Bengals are, of course, 0-6, you don't need any reminding, and because of that I must, before I go any further, thank you once again for tuning in to this podcast, despite the fact that the team that we know and love, is absolutely atrocious this year. There is no getting away from it. Uh, Yes, they lost yesterday to the Baltimore Ravens, another in-division rival, uh, 23-17, which, you know, I was talking to someone today, a, a casual NFL fan who supports the Rams, actually. And he said, oh, I didn't check in on your game. And, and, you know, 23-17, that looked quite respectable, quite a close game. You know, anyone from the outside looking in would presume a 23-17 scoreline, a loss by six points is, you know, nothing nothing too devastating. But, of course, if you watch the game like we all did, uh, we know the full story and, of course... Uh, it was a weird game. I found it a very, very weird game. Now, I am rattling on here uh, on my own in the sewing room because my normal uh, partner in crime, Nathan Palmer, is on his vacation, his jollies, his holly bobs, whatever you want to call it. Uh, he's away again. Um, I've got to have a word with his HR because... Uh, He's taking far too ta- too much time off, I think. Uh, um, I swear I'm going to have to look at the contract again. But anyway, he's in Chicago this week and uh, having a, a fine time, no doubt. I have very happy first wedding anniversary to him and Rosie. Uh, so I'm on my Todd tonight, which is exciting. So you're going to hear me rattling Along and the plan for tonight, we've done this in the past when Nathan's away. We've either drafted in someone like Tim Knowles or Simon Hunter, or even you know, kind of uh, telephoned people around the country just to have a bit of a chat with them. And that's what we—that's what I'm going to do tonight. Well, I'm going to ring what I call a bit of a round the houses episode, where I'm going to ring a couple of people. Uh, I've already telephoned someone in Cincinnati, and that is the Enquirer's uh, Bengals Beat podcast. Uh, co-host Lindsay Patterson, making her second appearance on the show. So you'll see, her, well, you won't see her, unfortunately. You'll hear her uh, later uh, later on once we get uh, get to some of our British uh, Bengals UK fans. And, of course, it's very important that we over here in Britain try and stick together, despite how we're feeling, because uh, the Bengals are actually coming to town in, in well, two weeks today we will have been well we'll probably be feeling hungover after toasting a bengal's victory against the rams or let's face it uh, which is more likely just hungover because we've had a brilliant weekend hanging out at the admiralty uh, catching up with people we've only known on the internet uh, drinking far too much and just enjoying the experience at Wembley despite the result that's what i'm keeping very positive But back to yesterday, we have to talk about yesterday. And I said it, I found it was a weird game. And I tell you why, because, well, it was an electrifying start. Brandon Wilson took it to the house, 92 yards, uh, an amazing uh, kickoff return to start things off. And you think, hello, oh, hello, here we go. And then the Ravens promptly marched downfield, or more or less, Lamar Jackson uh, marched downfield. And uh, it was just—it's like wow. I mean, it was always going to be tough against Lamar Jackson because we've obviously struggled against running quarterbacks who can extend the play. But he—we made him look sensational. And he, listen, he's a sensational player. He's obviously matured. But you know, let me just read you something. Actually, uh, there was an article in the Athletic today uh, by our good old chum Jay Morrison. And he quotes uh, Ravens head coach John Harbaugh, who said, uh, Lamar was able to get out and run because of the way they were playing. And then Lamar Jackson himself said, we watched them on film and they gave us the looks and we got out here and it was the same result. So I just had to take advantage of it and move the ball. And goodness me, didn't he ever. I mean, I think he, was, he, was, he hit 100 yards by the end of the first quarter, which was ridiculous and i think he by the end of the game it was looking like he was going to rush for 200 yards um but i think he i mean again it was another historical uh, game for an opponent <laughs> it always happens against us why do opponents always break records against us um he didn't quite break the record for the number of rushing yards by a quarterback in a game but he got to number 3 or something like that uh, so he had a day against us. And what made me really mad is that you know that a running quarterback was our weakness, especially after, uh, last week, right, against the Cardinals. But we seemed to not devise. I'm laughing, not because it's particularly funny, but just because of the absurdity of it all. Uh, you know, we didn't seem to go in with a plan. Now, am I I on my own in thinking that? I thought, you know, there had to be a game plan here, right, against a running quarterback. We had to kind of do a better job, concentrate all week on sealing the edges. Uh, You know, making sure the corners uh, kind of tackled better. And it just didn't happen. And uh, goodness me, we weren't getting any pressure on the quarterback. That defensive line looked inept without Carlos. And I'm including Geno Atkins in that, and I never thought I'd say that, but he, there's something going on there. Maybe it's just his age, maybe it's fatigue, because let's face it, the defence uh, are just on the field pretty much all the time, all game long, and uh, you know they looked atrocious, just giving up sort of 15, 20 yards a, a pop from Lamar Jackson, and you just kind of held your head in your hands. I certainly did. Um, And of course, I mentioned the defence were on the field all the time uh, because the offence are equally as inept, if not more so. Now, there are mitigating circumstances for the offence's ineptness. We all know that John Jerry is kind of the fourth ranked tackle on the team. and he was actually he actually did a fairly good job apart from that final drive, the touchdown drive, where you know the Ravens were just throwing everything at uh, uh, the Bengals, and they you know they took away some help on the offensive line, and suddenly Dalton was in. But we scored from that drive. That this is what I mean about a weird game, and we did improve defensively. Now I'm not trying to you know sugarcoat this in any way, shape, or form, but I did see. A few positives on the defence last night. They held the Ravens to, I think it was four or five drives. We started the second half well. Uh, Yes, the chunk plays were still happening, but we limited them and stopped them and got the ball back. But it was just that offence. And, of course, wowee, the run offence, the rushing offence is just awful. Jay Morrison, again, he's updated the Bengals' rankings. Uh, Total offence, 26th. Rush offence, 32nd. Pass offence, 12th. Scoring offence 29th, Uh, total defence 31st, rush defence 32nd, pass defence 15th, tied for 15th there, scoring defence 26th and uh, the turnover plus or minus is 27. So, you know, we're about middle of the pack in passing offence and passing defence, but the rest we are bottom of the barrel pretty much Um, and certainly in a couple of those categories and you can kind of see why and it was weird because again I keep using that word weird because every now and again Josh Tupu turned up and made a play every now and again Andrew Billings made a play every now and again Nick Vigil was running all over the place and making plays but then there were missed tackles there were missed assignments Dre had to go off unfortunately with an injury we don't know quite know what's going on there um William Jackson did okay, but he was pulled. Apparently, he was injured for a couple of snaps. So, suddenly, your secondary is decimated. Sean Williams, I don't know if you've read Paul Dana Jr.'s uh, fantastic article on Athletic, actually, about Sean Williams and what he had to go through yesterday just to be on the field. His knee was apparently, at the end of the game, like the size of a football. Uh, So, these guys are putting themselves on the line. These guys are trying hard, but... And it begs the question, what is it? Is it play-calling? is it uh, a lack of talent i would suggest it's a a mixture of both but weighted towards the lack of talent which again is kind of mitigated with with some injuries there it's a bit of everything just the the stars are not aligning the stars are just as far away from each other as can possibly be at the moment in that night in that gloomy in this gloomy wet Night sky in old ye old London town. Um, so there was, I mean, we just could not move the ball. Uh, it was weird. They still persisted with the run. I would have just liked to say, look, this run game is not working. Let's just go pure West Coast, zip it in, five yards, a little pop, uh, and keep the ball moving, which we kind of did a little bit towards the end of the game and made it respectable. But again, it was just too little, too late. Uh, Joe Mixon eight carries for ten yards. Giovanni Bernard four carries for four yards. Um, and yet Gio had a couple uh, two two catches actually for twenty yards, which one of them really showcased that he's still got that short burst of quickness. You know, uh, Mixon had a lovely screen, but the screens were just kind of really telegraphed and really poorly executed. And I'm not sure whether it's because the the play design isn't right or whether the offensive line are just so bad that they just can't hit their marks. Um, but then again, Mixon did break a nice screen uh, for a, a nice chunk of yardage there in the second half, but he had to run through two three tacklers. And again, I kind of made the point during the game, the Ravens weren't amazing. If it wasn't for Lamar, if we had Flacco still back there, it you know, kind of standing there like a wardrobe in the pocket, we would have had a chance. But as I say, there were positives, weirdly. Now, I thought, again, everyone knows, everyone's been discussing him. It's Auden Tate. And what a terrific game he had. And it just sort of confirmed to us the talent that he's got. I mean, some of the grabs, pretty much every grab last night was highlight reel stuff, especially that first catch, which was thrown quite away in front of him I'll get to Dalton in a minute my thoughts on Andy Dalton uh, and he dived full length it was it was an incredible catch and there was some really nice I mean Dalton did throw some nice back shoulder throws to Tate and he really went up and got them uh, but Auden Tate take a bow my friend uh, he's very tall so it'd probably take him a bit of a while to get back up but take that bow my son um, Alex Erickson got 447. That was kind of about it. They uh, there's a few tight, uh, a bit of tight end action, so to speak, and that was about it. Uh, I thought Dalton looked iffy last night. I have to say, He threw a bad interception. Now he can't be perfect. No quarterback is perfect on every throw, but uh, I thought he looked iffy last night. The ball was coming out of his hands really wobbly. Uh, there was a few passes that had a good zip on them, but there was a few, quite a few of them that kind of came out wobbly. And the I think the reason why Auden Tate had to literally go up and grab them, because they were either, you know, way in front of him, way, uh, you know, obviously Auden Tate is a very tall man, so he can go up and get them. Has this high uh, catching radius that a lot of people talk about, so, he, you know, Dalton can get away with not being, you know, right on the money. Another day those catches wouldn't have been held. Um, so I thought uh, Dalton looked iffy. And, uh, you know, for the most part, apart from that final drive, he got relatively decent protection there. But, of course, the run, you know, you can't expect a quarterback to throw 50 times a game because he's going to get murdered. Not literally, but uh, he's going to get walloped in uh, just just from going back in passing, so we need to establish that run game, I don't know how we do it, because I just don't think at this moment in time, and it's not necessarily their fault, this is the maddening thing, it's not necessarily their fault, they just don't have the players to, to execute, they're just not good enough, uh, which is a weird thing to say, but it is, you know, it is where we are, um, what else can I say, it was a frustrating game, it it was again it was a team that wasn't amazing if you can somehow shut down lamar jackson or at least limit him then you've got a real chance against the uh, ravens i think uh i they will probably win the division uh it's uh, lovely to see the browns carry on losing that's that's always good the steelers well they i think they won last night didn't they uh, let's just check the score yeah, they beat the disappointing uh, L.A. Chargers. Um, so, yeah, I mean this A.F.C. North Division. If we could have, you know, we again, it's a weird thing. We got down into the red zone twice, when uh, or at least flirting with the red zone. You know, on a on a decent drive, picking up momentum, and then Dalton threw through that pick, and then we couldn't quite punch it in the second time. So again, if we'd have scored some points from those visits too the Red Zone, or at least deep inside the Ravens' half, then it could have been quite a different story, even though we did not deserve to win that game. Um, so, what are we looking at? AFC North. Uh, the Ravens 4-2. and two, The Browns 2-4. and four, uh, The Steelers also 2-4. and four, And, of course, anyway, yes, uh, <clears throat> we'll gloss over that. Um, so, yeah, it was another disappointing day. Um I'm not quite sure how we're going to arrest this slide, but I was impressed with Zach Taylor in the press conference. And again, I know what you're going to say. It's just a press conference. He can say all the good words he wants, uh, and it doesn't matter a jot because it's performances that uh, make the difference. And uh, the Ravens got a total or accrued a total of 497 yards, so three yards off another 500 yarder. I mean, this is getting, like, Terrell Austin, uh, you know, standard of defence. And, of course, what happened to Terrell Austin? He lost his job. Uh, Now, I'm not... Well, maybe I am. I don't know. Um, Do you get rid of someone this early in the season? As I say, I think they did improve in the second half on defence. But, you know, teams are just... I don't know. Just absolutely ripping us apart at the moment. Um, okay, that's uh, me uh, for a while. I am going to ring up someone now. Yes, and our uh, first uh, uh, recipient of the round the houses call this evening is uh, Jamie Rowe. You might know him from this podcast before, and on Twitter at trekwatbeaster. Good evening, Jamie.
1: Good evening, Paul. How are you doing? I'm
0: OK, I'm OK. I'm trying to not be too upset about things, but, uh, uh, you know, kind of apply a little bit of uh, rationality to the situation, but it's getting harder week by week. How about you?
1: I I, I, I think after the, um, the loss against the Cardinals, uh, at this point it's not become a case of that I don't care anymore. But I, I think it's easier to get on with the fact that um, any kind of a win or any kind of success um, is a bonus. And when you go in against Baltimore, and, and by the way, Baltimore, not Baltimore. Um, <laughs> when you go in against Baltimore... Um, Finally,
0: someone can pronounce it <laughs> correctly on this bloody podcast. <laughs>
1: Absolutely. You go in against Baltimore and, and you know, you, you get such down on the first play and you think, oh, this is, you know, this is going to be all right. Obviously, it's all going to go wrong fairly shortly, but we, we may as well enjoy these two minutes of, of levity before we um, unleash Lamar Jackson against the slowest linebackers ever. <laughs>
0: I I sense that uh, you ha- okay. I'm going to ask you uh, what's what's gone wrong then. What what in Europe? Normally on the blog, our blog, we do a sort of half season roundup. But I feel that we need mm-hmm. to start talking about this, you know, now because things have gone so spectacularly wrong, and it's only week six. Uh, you know, we're throwing and even during games, we're throwing desperation ch- uh, challenge flags. Uh, in the first quarter, do you know what I mean? So, um, that's how bad things have got. And, um, yeah, I mean, where do you want to start with this? Have you got any thoughts on where it's all gone wrong? I think it's a big mixture of things. Uh, what, what do you think?
1: Yeah, it is kind of a, a, big kind of boiling cauldron of, of incompetence. Um, it starts at the top, but it does go all the way down to the bottom. Um, Obviously, Mike Brown's still nominally in charge. Um, He doesn't want to spend money. We don't spend money, we don't get good players. He doesn't want to spend money on a scouting department. So if you don't spend money on a scouting department, you don't know who the good players are, and you end up signing Andre Smith. Um, If you don't want to spend money on coaches, you miss out on the best coaching prospects, you end up with the Rams quarterback coach. who looks a little bit out of his depth, and his offensive play calling is leaving a lot to be desired um and obviously, if you end up with the Rams quarterback coach, you don't get the best coordinators because they don't want to go uh into that mess. so you end up with Luana rumo um and his clever ideas such as putting a four hundred pound lineman into um into covering a tight end um then you don't spend money on players. So you end up obviously with, with Andre Smith, with Bobby Hart, um, with a a whole kind of, kind of battery of, of terrible players. Um, and so basically the whole thing's rotten. Um, perhaps it all goes up to the top where there's a lack of money being spent, which means that everything's bad.
0: Well, yes, I know a lot of fans think that way. Do you think, though, that this is mitigated... And I'm playing devil's advocate here. Uh, do you think this is mitigated by the injuries on the offensive line? Do you think the return of AJ and, say, Darquez Denard, who is a very good tackler, coming back will help? Um, or do you think that will just kind of, you know, mask the problems within this club?
1: Um, the injuries are unlucky. I think if, if it was a full strength team, they'd at least be on the verge of competence. Um obviously AJ Green gives gives you something that quite a lot of the other receivers don't. Um Auden, Auden Tate has started to look a bit AJ Green like, which uh um, really has. He was is fantastic yesterday, competency. wasn't he? Yeah. Um But, I mean, if if we were going in there with with Jonah Williams and if we were going in there with Clint Bowling, um, maybe there would be some elements of this that could be salvaged. Obviously, we don't. So, um, there's there's not an awful lot of of positives out there. I mean, I'm looking at the roster and you're probably thinking about 10 or 11 players that are currently there that you would keep and the rest of them um, the other sort of 40-odd aren't good enough and sort of shouldn't make it through to next season
0: yes now talking of next season because I think we all realise that this season is in terms of aspirations of a successful season a winning season and even troubling the playoffs it's it's looking you know more than likely 99% probable that uh, we're not going to kind of dent any kind of are the big boys this year um yeah. there's obviously been a lot of chat about aj green and trading him and kind of you know kind of selling off your assets so you can really prepare i'm not going to use that word which i hate um but you know is there you know what where do you stand on the kind of selling your assets argument
1: um i i think you have to work out whether they're replaceable assets so with AJ green I don't think he's replaceable um what he brings in terms of leadership in terms of willingness to be on the team um isn't something that that's probably going to be replicated elsewhere um with any other players we can get um so I think you keep AJ I think AJ would probably probably be willing to play at a team friendly deal. Um, particularly given his injuries. Um, Also, we don't want to get ourselves into the kind of Andrew Whitworth situation where we go, oh, he's old, so therefore he must be bad, and then replace him with someone who's absolutely terrible. Hmm. And you look at at recent kind of picks at wide receivers, some of them good, some of them bad. Um, For every Tyler Boyd, you're going to get a Jerome Simpson. Um, And... (laughs) You don't want to be kind of playing that lottery, and, and Or no an arm Bengals on bins, sentence. perhaps. Oh, arm on bins! Now, there's a name. <laughs> I, I I think that there is a there is a game in um, just shouting out names of random Bengals players. Because you came years at the ago. good. One. We
0: we were trying to we were trying to come up with the name of a was it? It was Desmond Briscoe, wasn't it? Then you Desmond came Briscoe, up with it. Yeah.
1: Yeah, that was a good. He ended, he ended up at the box,
0: and he was really good at the box. Yes, and then of course um, he came both. to yeah. Well, there you go. It happens, he doesn't just, it? Yeah. <laughs> um, where okay, so you're you're a favoring you're in favor of keeping AJ Green, and um, uh, which I think again is is just as compelling an argument as you know selling him off for some picks. You know, a lot of people will argue that. Um, what about uh, what about Dalton?
2: Um, I think, I mean,
1: the, the, there is an argument that you could probably try and find a, a trade partner to get rid of Andy mid-season. Um, if there's a team that perhaps has lost its quarterback early and is struggling with with a backup, and I can think of at least one team where that's the case. Um, maybe there's a market there. I don't think you get a first rounder for him. I think it would be probably a, a second rounder. But for a team that's looking to upgrade from struggling, or struggling along with a backup, um, perhaps they, they would pull the trigger on Andy. Now, if that trade doesn't um, materialise, we're looking at a get-out clause at the end of the season, which is, I think, a, a one-year extension if we want it, or just letting him go if we don't. I think there could be some benefit to keeping Andy along for one year with a rookie quarterback just in case something goes wrong with that rookie Um, and you need that sort of talented backup. But then does that um, stifle the development of the younger quarterbacks that we have on the roster who, from the limited kind of preseason action that I've seen of them, seem to be okay, seem to be fine? And that's
0: kind of the the where you've got to circle. Um, I I kind of agree. Well, I mean, a lot of people will be very angry if we don't uh, go out and get a quarterback next year because it looks likely that we're going to be picking pretty high in the draft. Um, I think there is an argument for keeping Dalton. I really, I mean, I'm not a huge fan of his, but I think there is an argument for keeping him. And bringing on the younger. Maybe that's. I know what people are going to say. That's such a Bengals way of thinking. But, you know, if your offensive line isn't up to scratch, if you're, you know, you've got some weapons there. If you're going to keep AJ, great. Auden Tate's coming on. Uh, Tyler Boyd is still a good player. You know, Mixon, we'll see what happens with him. Geo is locked down for a couple of years. You could see yesterday when he got the ball in hands in space, he's still a dangerous player. So, mm. you know, perhaps with a rookie quarterback, maybe you sit him for a couple of three games. To, uh, whether Dalton would do it or not, I don't know, but we'll have to wait and see. Um, let's talk about some positive things. Are you um, looking forward to the Bengals? Uh, despite everything, are you looking forward to the Bengals coming over in a couple of weeks' time?
1: Oh, absolutely. And, and I mean, it, half of it is that I get to see Hello, the Bengals UK and and most of them are pretty good geezers or um, geezerettes. Um, Absolutely. Uh, yeah, 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 pretty much my son. I get to um, go behind Tim and start doing Tim impressions. Um,
0: That's Tim Knowles, if uh, anybody's listening there.
1: And, um, yeah, it's going to be, I mean, at least it's going to be fun. Obviously, I don't expect us to win. That's, the Rams haven't been super amazing. Um, but no. I don't expect to, to to win out there on the field um, so it's just going to be a weekend of, of having a laugh um, kind of showing off that, that maybe there's that British gallows humour that doesn't quite translate across to the American fan base that um, you know you can support a winning team whilst utterly taking the piss out of it
0: Yeah I think that's as a warning to anybody listening who's going to come across uh, there is a particular british sense of humor uh as Jamie said it's gallows humor so uh w- you know be warned and who knows we'll get to meet some legends maybe they'll bring desmond briscoe and Armand bins over the- how cool would that be <laughs> oh yeah
1: just, uh, all, all the um, all the really great names of the past sort of the, the ife andio and, yeah. and uh, <laughs> yeah um
0: who would you like who um, okay so last last time we had and it was so surreal, wasn't it? Ken Anderson. Yeah. I mean, Ken Anderson, for God's sake. And Anthony Munoz, uh, a past guest of this programme. But uh, both of them, actually. And um, and obviously, Dave Lapham getting to shake Dave's hand for the first time was almost like shaking Jupiter by the hand. It was so massive, his hands. Yeah. Um, who would you like to see this? T- we, d- we haven't heard the Bengals, as ever, playing things close to their chest. Uh, who... I mean, it was weird, wasn't it? Let's just go back to that, because uh, standing at the bar, you just sort of look around, because it's very busy, so it takes an age to get served, and uh, you're just sort of looking around, minding your own business, and then you turn to your left, and literally standing next to me was Ken Anderson, who then proceeded to have a go at me because I was wearing a Boomer Esiason jersey so um, (laughs) he got his priorities right and I was just in utter shock a because it was Ken Anderson b because Ken Anderson was having a go at me and um, uh, it was weird it was very weird who would you like to see this year if you had a choice of any Bengals legend who would you like to see in that pub and I think I know who you're going to say
1: I, I I I quite like um, Chad Johnson. I think that would be a really interesting night. I don't think it would be sort of
0: he would love it as well.
1: Most, I don't think it'd be the world's most kind of calming um, <laughs> family-oriented night, but it'd be it'd be bloody fun. He'd bring in his he'd bring his
0: bringing his his McDonald's meal, Happy Meal. He'd be sliding down it, the banisters. He'd be crowd survey surfing. He'd have a massive cigar on the go, uh, and drinking his whatever he drinks, and I think he'd love that, wouldn't he? Uh, Aye,
1: centre of attention as always.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. Um, So we'll see you in the pub in a couple of weeks, Jamie. Uh, Thank you very much for coming on, and uh, yes, a big fat 2 day to you,
1: and a a fairly swell. (laughs) <laughs> doing everything like who
0: they all right mate i'll see you in a couple of weeks all
1: right
0: cheers buddy. well there we go that was uh the lovely jamie rowe and um echoing a lot of uh well, the thoughts of a lot of fans, really. Uh, I mean, it's natural, isn't it? When a team loses week in, week out, um, you know, the blame game starts. And I think there's a lot of emotion there. And some of it is is absolutely true. Some of it I'm not quite sure about. Um, but I do know one thing. We do have to, I think there is chance now for a root and branch look at how you know the way we do things and when i say we i mean the front office we haven't drafted well for for two three years um we don't go out and uh spend that cap space that we have that we don't take advantage of that we're not very aggressive in free agency and i think it's it's plain to see that uh this team needs a bit of a shake-up. And when I say a bit of a shake-up, I mean an enormous seismic shake-up in terms of playing personnel. There are still good players on that team. We're going to get some players back from injury. Let's hope our luck uh, kind of holds out a little bit. I mean, and also let's hope the players that have regressed this year kind of start to mesh with the coaching uh, staff and vice versa uh, and start to kind of you know, bring in a game plan that works. Bring in a scheme that works. Because Zach Taylor said last night, admitted in his very—I would say—I was really impressed with it last night in his press conference. Again, only a press conference before you throw your your MP3 device, your phones, or computers, or uh, whatever you listen to this podcast on uh, out of the window. You know, I'm not sugarcoating it, and I don't think Zach was either. He kind of admitted we're not good enough. Uh, he's not been good enough. Um, you know, they have got some work to do. But the hope is uh, we can ally, somehow engineer a way to ally the talent that we've got on this team at the moment because there is a lot of talent on the team with some new, fresh, good talent. No projects in the draft. You know, as much as you can do, go for those kind of surefire hits Again, easier said than done in the draft. But uh we're gonna bring in uh Lindsay in a little while. No we're not, we're gonna bring in we're gonna leave Lindsay to the last. Uh uh, I think. Uh yes we are. See, uh, this is the problem with me hosting this somewhere and I start to talk to myself, which is marvellous. Um, and also a sign of madness. But anyway, um let's go to our correspondence. Once again, thank you so much for everyone who corresponded with us. Uh, we are at Whoday underscore UK on Twitter and Bengals UK on Facebook. And again, thank you for everyone who interacted with us on the Bengals UK tailgate, the online tailgate that we do an hour before each game. Uh, we got some great interactions yesterday. There'll be some more giveaways before the end of the season. So, you know, even though things aren't going great on the field, do chip in. We're all about fan community here. Uh, and having a bit of fun. But anyway, let's get to the correspondences. Uh, Dave Cass at Come On Didier. Uh, we score our first TD in the first minute of, and our second in the 58th. If we're being honest, the Ravens were comfortably in control for most of the other 57 minutes. It was good to see us fight to the end, but I never felt we were serious contenders. I think that sums it up perfectly, Dave. I really do. Uh, even though the score looks close, it's very misleading. Uh, and you know, apart from that very first play and around you know the last I don't know ten minutes, um, it was it was it was difficult to watch. Even though they did improve in. Uh, on off on defense rather, even though they did get something going on offense finally, uh, but again it was too little too late wasn't it? I think uh, I think it's a good uh, good message Dave. Duncan Eden at Slam Dunk the Funk two words. ordentate Tate a shining light in a very dark cave. Um, yes, it is a dark cave at the moment, isn't it? Uh, John Plymire at Playme- Plym ninety eight hot take. Coaches like Finley and Dolagala at QB and plan for one of them to take over for Dalton, regardless of draft position. This is a good tweet actually. They will not draft a QB. They will go BPA. Reynolds is fast and athletic. Pratt doesn't miss tackles. Why are they not the starting LBs in Week Seven? And uh, well, let's let's address the bottom the back end of that tweet. Um, Jermaine Pratt got some serious playing time well, I say serious, more serious than he's had in in the uh this season. And I was impressed with his tackling, but he got burned for a huge chunk play to the tight end Mark Andrews. Uh I can't remember if it was the first half or second half. Everything's melted into one big mass of horrible tar stained volcanic molten lava at the moment. But uh, Mark, he got burned, and he he's for someone who's supposed to be quick in coverage, his speed got really shown up yesterday. But saying that, I thought he was promising, and I you know someone, I think it was Ben Baby, our old friend Ben Baby, a past everyone's our old friend here, uh, Ben Baby from ESPN, uh, kind of made the point that Reynolds might just be the second best. Leroy Reynolds might just be the second best linebacker on this team. Now, I'm not sure about that, but he there was a couple of blitzes uh, that he showed off his speed, so maybe we could use him a b- little bit more. Uh, what's happened to Jordan Evans? Jordan Evans! Um, what's happened to him? Um, they obviously dislike him intensely. Now, when it comes to the quarterback, you know, a lot of people are pinning their hopes on the Bengals, taking a quarterback high up in the first round and uh, But it's not guaranteed. I know Duke Tobin has been out to see a couple of the guys playing at college. Um, I, I don't know. What if they don't? And then we've got a similar question later on. I mean, we could still do with some help on the offensive line. We could still use, I mean, especially when you look at our defensive line and if Gino is regressing the way he seems to be, do we take an absolute godzilla on the defensive line but of course the argument for quarterback is strong um and that's exciting because it's a quarterback also he might elevate you look at lamar jackson yesterday i still maintain the ravens are an average team but he was the difference between the two teams kyler murray last week looked impressive as a rookie Do we need a more mobile quarterback that can extend players? Sorry, extend. uh, Well, extend plays and extend players, make them better, carry the team on their shoulders, which is something that Andy Dalton has never quite done because of his inconsistency. So I think. But this is the Bengals we're talking about. They don't pander to fan rhetoric, they don't pander to the pleas of fans and national media. I still think there is a chance that uh, they might not go quarterback. But you look at the top end of that draft next year, it seems to be the best time to do it. Dalton's coming to the end of his contract and there is a get-out clause at the end of this season. Uh, You know, the quarterback class is good at the top of the pops in the draft. So you bear those two in mind and it looks likely that we're going to be picking quite high you know, the stars could align, so we'll have to wait and see. Hello, world, at Mars Hotel, 72. Hard to find a true hot take with this team. Cheers, hello, world. Uh, Phil Hatton at Bengal Blue Boy. Have we overrated Carl Lawson? Hoping he shows more against traditional QBs. Positive, agree with ZT that the effort is still there. They are trying for him, and I agree with that, Phil. And I think we might have overrated Carl Lawson. He's he's certainly okay, but he's you know we've seen him in preseason and he's been an absolute terrifying pass rusher off the edge now obviously he's had injuries and he's feeling his way back in and the hope is he'll he'll you know get there, but certainly I you know he's so he's obviously a good player and he's shown flashes. Let's hope he can continue his development because God knows we need him on that defensive line. Uh, Right, Uh, uh, Martin Calladine at Ugly Game. Two questions on my mind this morning. One, where are we consistently improving? I'm not sure there's anywhere. Rather than being a team that's laying foundations, we are beginning to look like an ordinary bad team, where a few players spark, but the opposition wins without having to really get out of fourth gear. Two, how many winnable games are there left beyond Jacksonville, the Jets and Miami? No matter how much you liked him when hired, shouldn't a promising coach win more than three games in his first year in a weak division? Right, let's address that um, first, the first question. I don't think we are improving, and I think it's a mixture of things. Obviously, the, the offensive line is a train wreck. The defensive line has, has, has not been great. But Hubbard just keeps on working, even though he's not, you know, he's in and out and off and on, he improved yesterday. I thought Tupu made plays, as I mentioned earlier. Andrew Billings made plays, as I mentioned earlier. Sean Williams uh, made some plays yesterday. Uh, Fedge did. Everyone's making play. I mean, Jesse Bates looked much improved yesterday. I must say, which is great to see, because we all know what he can do, and you hope that he can, he can uh, pick it up pick up the the standard that he set for himself last year. Uh, But you're right, they're just flashing. There's not a lot of consistency at the moment. In terms of the coaching, you know, I understand that a lot of people will be calling for Zach Taylor's head now, right now. Um, But you look at the past and uh, Jay Morrison, again, I keep referencing Jay, but he really does do some fantastic work on the athletic, you know, he he did a great article last week where he spoke to Sam Weich, who started off his tenure at the Bengals 0-5. Uh, Joe Gibbs was 0-5. Tony Dungy is 0-5. A whole long list uh, of Super Bowl-winning coaches who started their careers 0-5. So it's far too early in my opinion because this isn't really Zach Taylor's team at the moment. So... I think you can only judge him once he starts to get his guys in. Um, he's made some questionable decisions, or at least the front office has. Bobby Hart being worn. Um But I want to judge him after next season, I think. Uh, we've got time for one more before we go around the houses again. It's Martin Greer. Uh, Martin Greer. Brandon Wilson doing a superb Stanford Jennings impression made my night. Week 8 Friday, Saturday and Sunday will be awesome. Really looking forward to drinking and chatting with fellow fans. Here here. Uh Martin, uh I absolutely agree with the Stanford Jennings cuz basically Brandon Wilson just kind of ran through the heart of that uh, uh Raven special teams unit without being touched. He didn't have to bounce out to the outside. He didn't have to do any sh- you know saucy shimmies. He just ran pretty much in a straight line and showed some nice speed as well. Right, let's bring in our second guest, and no offence to Jamie, but our our special guest, I would say. And yes, joining us from Cincinnati is co-host of the Inquirer's Bengals Beat podcast. It's, well, for her second time on Cincinnati, it's Lindsay Patterson. Lindsay, how are you?
2: i'm good how
0: are you guys doing yeah we're really good i'm afraid i'm afraid you've just got me today because nathan's on vacation in chicago so um thank you for keeping me company no problem at
2: all chicago's a great city so
0: hopefully he's enjoying the vacation. well yeah i hope so i haven't heard from him yet so hopefully he's not some in some back alley with a kind of bottle of whiskey hanging out of his mouth and kind of you know god knows what he's doing but i'm sure he's having a great time uh we as bengals fans are not having a good time at the moment and i wanted to talk to you because you have your finger on the pulse you do the great podcast and what what is what 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 are you saying Lindsay? what's what what is what is going on
2: you know what, When you, if you were someone who didn't watch any of the games and you looked at the schedule and looked at the scores of the final games, you would think, oh my goodness, this team has been in almost every game but two, but really to be completely honest, there's several problems and I think everybody knew that going into the season, look, I still think Zach Taylor is the right answer when they did make the move on to Marvin Lewis um, he does bring that new energy and he, he's calling the plays offensively he's taking the blame there and that's fair, I don't think he's Blame because there's position groups in the offseason when you look at the offensive line again it's been a problem for about two to three years now hmm. with Cordy going out due to concussion protocol they they tried to fix the issue in the draft with Jonah Williams Billy Price is on the bench as a backup but getting some getting some starts at left guard too but I, I think there are several issues with the offensive line and we knew that going in they, they tried to fix that in two years and right now they've had it Bad. Luck. Can you look at the linebacker group right now? They they plucked Jermaine Brown in a few times on Sunday versus the Ravens and, and a rookie end. And they've wanted to fix that issue for about two years too. And that's something that they can't do is stop the run. And Lamar Jackson has that's nothing new defensively and offensively. And it's crazy because one of the biggest things so far this season is getting off to a fast start, mm. and they did. He did everything, but he was awesome, and they also a great start. But, unfortunately, they let those big plays happen, and it's just something we see offensively and defensively. Um, I know they don't have A.J. Green right now. I know they don't have John Ross, but they can't get the run game going. And that's one thing that brings to you- a bit surprising to me because even last year with a poor offensive line, Joe Mixon was a top running back in the mm-hmm. AFC. And they are struggling all over. They're struggling on how to use Gio and Joe. Also, you have a healthy Tyler and I get his snap counts are a little bit lower, and that's what they're trying to do because they, they want him to go a full season. And CJ Uzama, who is a guy who had himself at 2018, when that. That tight end group took a big hit last season, so being able to use the two tight end groups, trying to use the two running backs um, and and, and Gio and Joe, and, and try to you know come up with some creativity, and that's something that they're struggling with. I mean, Andy Dalton has been on the ground more times than not, and that's a guy you still flirt too but um, you know he can take his. The too with some of the issues that they're dealing with offensively. So it's a little bit of everything. And I think one of the biggest surprises of a bright spot that you thought we would be, we call it in preseason and training camp, is the defensive line right now. Yeah, yeah. Um, you have several guys on there that strong position group. And I thought that was going to be a positive going into 2019. And right. they're struggling. Yeah. I mean, they're struggling getting to the quarterback. Oh.
0: Blimey, how do you unpick all that lot? That's, uh, <laughs> that's uh,
2: I mean,
0: I, I, think, I think as fans, uh, we're emotional, so we're instantly looking for someone or something to blame. Um, and I think, you know, obviously the front office is go- coming in under under fire. Do you think there's any uh, validation? I know that, you know, you probably don't want to have a go at them too much, but you think, do you think that's kind of valid a criticism of the front office?
2: You know, I, I get, I feel for the fans too, because um, those are the people who are investing into this team. They're watching every Sunday, whenever the team is out there, they're supporting, they're trying to do everything they possibly can to get behind this team, and then so how they felt last season when the stadium was pretty empty at Paul Brown Stadium, they yeah. may change it in the offseason, but I think one of the differences, and this is my comparison, not theirs, but one of the comparisons that I get with Zach Taylor um, a lot of people wanted to do the Sean McPherson and I get it because he came from the Rams yeah. I actually see this this could be more of a Kyle Shanahan situation when right. you look at the 49ers look, he struggled in his first season they were 10-22 and, and that biggest difference though, the biggest difference between that team and this team is they made aggressive moves they realized hey Unfortunately, I know it's hard for some people to realize, but we might be dealing with a rebuild. Mm. And and the hardest thing about a rebuild is not admitting that you're going through a rebuild because you're not making those changes. So there are bodies there, and, and I get all the time, who are you going to trade? Who's worth trading? There are several guys that, I mean, A.J. Green, for example. Mm. I know he's been in the last two to three weeks of a guy who, who could go and, and be on a winning team. And I think as a business, and look, if they have A.J. Green on the team, they better pay him. They better yes. pay him for the for multi-year contract. They can't let him walk like they did in the Andrew Whitworth situation because that would be terrible. But you do have pieces that you've got to start to think You've got to be aggressive. Look, I mean, the AFC North isn't the greatest of the divisions <laughs> right now. Um, at the moment, I mean, even a win yesterday would have kept the Bengals into it. But at the moment, I, I think you've got to realize that you've got to be aggressive in the front office. Mm-hmm. And you've got to think about the future because this team, I mean, whether they want to admit it or not, they could be moving on from Andy Dalton in January. They, yeah. they could be, you know, looking in the draft classes. it's got a loaded quarterback draft class time to start thinking about the future and unfortunately to do going to have to be aggressive in the front office and, and that's exactly what the Forty Nineers said and
0: we're going to run it now <laughs> absolutely they're doing great and we saw it firsthand didn't we how, how fantastic they were um where do you stand on aj green lindsay because obviously that's been a big big talking point there are compelling arguments both sides for both trading him and keeping him uh where, where do you stand on the aj green debate
2: I think I'm right in the middle. And I'll give two reasons why. Go the on. first reason is, as I mentioned, as a business, you've got to you've got to think about the future. And if there's someone out there who wants to give a first round, second round, for a 31-year-old receiver who has had a little bit of help since then with A.J. Green, I mean, getting a full season out there and look, when he's out there, he's one of the best in the NFL. Everyone yeah. knows that. He's a game changer. And yes, it would make a difference in some of these bosses that they've had this season. But if someone is willing to give you something for a guy who you could, hold on, get multiple picks for, I think you've got to listen. You've got to answer the phone. At the same time, A.J. Green is a good human and leader that you want in the locker room. Um, when he's in there, when he's hurt, when he's working hard, working 12-hour days, and the rehab to get back on the field, nice. he's a game-changer for the younger wide receiver group. I mean, how kind of what would say that John Ross would say that several guys Damian Willis. Um I mean hey, there are several people who who admit, I mean goodness, it's good to have a leader like A.J. Green in the locker room. And I do believe that the Bengals want to keep on the team. But I do believe that A. J. Green looks at Barry Fitzgerald and he is one of those guys who wants to fix this team and, and he has money because I don't need the money. I I got all the money in the world. It's yeah, not right, about right. money. Um uh, this is the team that took a chance on me in the draft. They wanted me on their team, so they believed in and A. J. Green is this different. And that's a good thing. I mean, that's not a bad thing at all that he wants to be on this team. And he, he's like, I'm not trying to run away from this. I mean, you look around the NFL this year, and some people are co- comparing it to the NBA free agency where some of the guys are like, I'm no, I'm not playing. Jalen Hurtsy, for example. I don't want to play. I want to I get treated. I want to go to a winner. And they get what they want.
0: I hmm.
2: mean, um, we saw it with Antonio Brown, and that was a, a nightmare of a situation. But yeah. sometimes guys just want to play where they started and I truly believe that in AJ Green I don't think that's players speak or anything like that and I don't I, I think AJ Green will be a Bengal for the whole time um, of his career I don't I don't see that changing but I don't know if that's the right answer either and the only reason I say that is because you got to think about your future and so you got yeah. to think about the possibility of getting multiple picks
0: it does feel like I mean I'm against the whole idea of tanking um but I think that's actually a fan concept rather than a front office and pla Well, maybe not front office, but a coaches and, and players concept. You know, that just doesn't exist in players or, or coaches. But um, it's obvious now at 0 and 6 we're coming to the end of a cycle. We've just started a new one. So it does feel like the right time to really try and infuse this team with new talent, move, move on from some of the older guys who've done a fantastic job for the fe- past sort of decade maybe... Uh, Is that your feeling as well?
2: Uh, It is. And what's crazy is um, the connection to that is I started to cover the Bengals when AJ and Andy were on the team. And that felt like the turnaround. I mean, look, there were some winners with Carson Palmer and Marvin Lewis, but I felt like that was like the new new rebuild, the second rebuild. And they were great, talented guys. And look, a lot of NFL teams around the league were taking Andy Dalton in a heartbeat. Um, I know how fans feel about him at the moment, but when it comes to tanking, um, I, I, from a fans' aspect, I, I try to understand what, what they what they mean by it and what they want. And they're looking at the future, they're thinking about a quarterback. No NFL player or a front office thinks that way. I will be completely honest. That's never running through their minds. I mean, these are guys who put so much work in, 12 to 13 to 14 hour days, who want to win a football game, yeah. who, who are extremely bummed when they leave there. I mean, yeah, they'll be like, oh, they still get paid millions of dollars. That doesn't matter. I mean, these guys are thinking about their future. And, you know, if they're losing, their future isn't guaranteed. Yeah. Um, you want talented guys on this roster and you're losing, and I, they're going to be like, okay, i got to think about my future. I want to win right now. I want to win these games. So, so no player, no front office is ever going to think as a, a, t- a tanking mindset. And I know them, they're thinking more of the future and the players, and yes, there's a loaded core of their draft class. And as the season goes on, I'm sure more are gonna talk about that, but I, it's just such a difficult conversation to have. I mean, week by week, and I feel like that conversation was brought up after week three. And it's like, <laughs> yeah, I'm right. like, there's still a lot of football left to be played right like, it's, it's just that, it's a desired situation. It really is. I mean, because I hear from Zach Taylor after the game, that like we're right there on it. Um, our guys work extremely hard.
0: They do. I, I do believe that. But at the same time, there are so many times that you're like this team, and it's just not very good. Not no. a very good football team. No, and I think that's what we've got to get into, into our heads. You know, it's it's no use, uh, you know, kind of skirting around the issue. I mean, the record speaks for itself, and certainly the performances do. It's just, I don't know. I, th- I think something I said. But let's talk about something a little bit cheerier. Um, we've got the London game coming up in two weeks actually two weeks today we'll have had the london game and it will will have been well i might be lying here comatose after the weekend's uh, activities but um you came along last time are you coming over again this time i will not be there
2: and oh, i'm okay. so bummed i am so extremely bummed um unfortunately I, I will be out of town for another work trip so i will not be in london um you'll have all the crew there all the I'm a movie writer and, and broadcaster from Cincinnati and I'm so extremely jealous because <laughs> win I lose, London is such a great time, I actually went to London um, Back in June, 4, I you can make fun of me or judge me. But I went there for a Spice Girls concert at
0: Wembley Stadium. Now I knew and that because obviously was... anybody who follows you on Twitter will have seen that. You were extremely <laughs> excited to see the Spice Girls. And yesterday, I was so excited. Yesterday, yeah, I was I, so pumped. I saw you tweet out your appreciation and admiration of the Seattle Seahawks doing their little in sync uh, or end sync routine. Uh, in the end zone. You are a proper 90s girl, aren't you? I am. 90s kid for life. Um, unfortunately wasn't <laughs> a great year
2: for the Bengals during the 90s, but um, yeah, yeah, I have one yeah, of yeah. my best musical life so
0: during this time. What do you, okay, first questions first, and I'm not asking you this just because you're a woman, I'm going to ask all our guests this evening. Which Spice Girl would you be if you had the chance? Which fits Lindsay Patterson the best?
2: You know why I'm I'm such an in between because things have changed so much. Um, I would
0: say maybe posh. And when I was a kid, wow. I was forty spice because I was definitely rocking the forty tomboy gear. But right. now I would say maybe posh. Okay. Now, okay. baby posh. Seen. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and what do you miss? I think I was thinking about which Spice Girl I'd be, and I I think I might be <laughs> posh as well. Um uh, maybe scary spot. No, scary spice is genuinely scary. I think so. Uh, I'm not genuinely scary. So uh, I'll go for posh too. But what do you miss most about the 90s? Because they, I, I'm more an 80s kid. Uh, but I went to university in the 90s, so that was they were probably why well, they. Well, I don't know. That I had good time in the 90s. Put it that way. Um, and I was trying to figure out the things that I missed most about the 90s. Is there anything that you? Obviously, we don't miss the Bengals, as you mentioned, because that was the Mordor years. Um, what, What do you miss most about the 90s, do you think?
2: why during I miss about the 90s? Um, you know what? It's gonna sound silly and maybe old school, but maybe not having social media <laughs> <laughs> because it was a little calmer back then. And yeah. Things can get a little crazy, and, and I'm thankful for social media. It's helped me do my job. Uh, not download it too much, but yeah. maybe maybe because we didn't have as much social media. Yeah. I mean, we weren't always on our
0: phone. That's a good answer, actually. I think you're probably right, even though. Social media has made me kind of hook up with people like you and, you know... I oh, no, of it's a good thing. It's, it's a good thing. thing, but there is obviously a down... So there's always a flip side to these things, isn't there? So I think I agree. I do pine for a simpler life where people don't kind of shout at each other so much. And uh, yeah. uh, I, I, think, I think social media... Now, I want, just briefly, real quick, um, before we let you go, um, I want to talk about Cincinnati as a whole because... You, again, you know, you really should follow Lindsay Patterson on Twitter. And that is at Linds Patterson, that's L-N-D-S Patterson with a double T, on the Twitter, on the brilliant social media, um, because Lindsay's really well worth a follow. And um, if long-term followers uh, will know that Lindsay is a sideline reporter for FC Cincinnati. So you've had a fantastic time, and we've been following... The rise of FC Cincinnati, their entrance into MLS, and it just it just felt like the whole city was completely buzzing for their for their MLS debut. Now, obviously, it kind of came crashing back down to earth a little bit. But what is the mood sport-wise in the city? Because we hear stories that are making us very nervous, actually, about the whole Bengals lease thing in 2026, and the fact that you know who knows what might happen there because of Political wranglings and financial stuff going on. Um, what's the mood like in Cincinnati sports wise at the moment? I'm, I'm wondering. Uh, you know what? I think it was
2: it, totally crazy. Um, kind of going back to Major League Soccer and, and when we heard about the announcement, it was so exciting. It because- was from day one of being in the USL, that was the whole goal—is to be in Major League Soccer. And credit to Jeff Burning and, and the crew that right, to getting it done. And it's been exciting and fun and looking—it's growing pains because it was our first year and an expansion year. So we struggled with some injuries, and uh, it was a learning experience. But the good news—we definitely finished out. On a great note, 5 or 6 unbeaten, um, taking down some playoff teams, and and Mm. that's what the Eastern Conference, so that's been a lot of fun. And and I honestly, um, it might sound crazy, and I tell people this all the time, I feel like my first regular soccer year was one of the most learning experiences that I've ever had as a broadcaster. Right. Um, Because when you're talking and you're interviewing players after 22 losses, um, and, and, and learning to change how you do it and not yeah. sounding like a broken record. Um, there That's were challenging tough. days, tough. Yeah. but I really honestly felt like it made, made me better as a broadcaster, so I can, I can appreciate it from that. I'm hoping it's a better off season, and I think the front office is already getting to work and, and ready to get some new guys and uh, ready for year two. So the rest, um, I think when you look at that, they, they were fun at times. They were in the race for, for a bit. And then uh, that kind of came crashing down right now, but there's a excitement because there were a lot of changes going into the season. I mean, they changed their manager. You had Zach Taylor, who went to the Bengals, uh, Major League Soccer first year in Cincinnati. So, at the moment, I think people just want to see some with, but I know that sounds like something I could say pretty much every year in Cincinnati yeah. sports, but... It's been, uh, even at Olympics and with all the changes and and knowing some of the weaknesses going into the Cincinnati Bengals season, I think it's still a little bit surprising. Um, But I'd say the moon right now is not the best um, in in Cincinnati sports, but there's still uh, a lot of changes that can be made and and will be made. And I think 2020 might might be the year of uh, going up because it can only go up from here, right?
0: Well, that's that's. Uh, let's leave on that positive note because I think you're right. Let's let's hope they're more aggressive in churning over the roster. Let's hope they make some moves. And let's hope that they win a few games so they can get their confidence back. Because there are good players on that team, you know. And um, I hope they get it. Well, it sounds weird that we're hoping for a couple of wins when we actually hoped for 8, 9, 10 wins at the start of the season. But I guess that's where... We are at the moment. But, Lindsay, um, we always love talking to you. And, honestly, anyone who doesn't follow you should follow you on social media. Lindsay really is kind of Miss Sports Cincinnati. She's fantastic to follow. Uh, And thank you for coming back on the show. Um, We'll get you on again soon, no doubt.
2: Uh, thank you so much, and I hope you have so much fun with all the Cincinnati fans who are making the trip across. And I'm so jealous, and I will be listening, reading, and I can't wait to see
0: all the coverage. Cool, thanks so much, Lindsay. Uh, I'm sure we'll have a great time, and you will be sorely missed. Uh, but uh, yes, we'll speak to you soon. Thanks for the time. That was the fantastic uh, Lindsay Patterson. I think I feel as though we we kind of uh, got through quite a lot of. Uh, stuff there and um, yes, we were going to ring Andrew Dockerel this evening but unfortunately there's a few technical problems on the line so we'll bring in Andrew next week Uh, let's go back to the correspondence shall we, Uh, because there was a lot of them as you can imagine Uh, Sam Anger at Sam underscore underscore, you can get a cream for that Uh, Sam underscore Anger one, can't handle teams with athletic QBs, Alan Murray Jackson Wilson being the exception Two, can't perfect screen passes, offence or defence. Three, tackling has been abysmal. Four, last night I think we overcompensated the zones against Jackson, too deep and spread out. And five, Bobby Hart. Uh, I can't disagree with any of that, Sam. And... um some good points well made there. John Lucarotti at Living La Vida Luca. We're only four wins off the top of the division and I'm going to Vegas for the draft, which looks like it's going to be very meaningful for the Bengals. Lots to like right there. Uh, I kind of asked our followers to give me some positives in their life uh, and that is a, a big positive, I think. That's something to look forward to, John. Uh, hopefully you'll just jump up on stage and make the picks yourself. Richard Jones at always open 85. My positive spin for the day is that over the last few weeks, Tate really has looked like he could be a valid number three wide receiver behind green and Boyd. Also Hopkins is a nice find. He seemed to be calling guys out during the game. So potentially some some leadership material on the O line. And I think if you look at uh, Hopkins grades, so he's in the top 10 of centers in the NFL. So that has been a positive all season. And I agree. I quite like our wide receiver group. If if everyone's healthy, you know, I do have a question about whether the team is going to retain John Ross next year. But I love Auden Tay. He's he's a real fan favorite, isn't he? Seventh round. Now catch it like plucking balls out of the sky. Some like some celestial nine foot tall. I don't know what. Anyway, um, agree with that, uh, Richard. Uh, Michael Smith at Solid underscore Handle. Are you tempted to do a mock draft? No, not yet, Uh, Mike. Uh, I've flirted with the idea, but I've had to kind of rein myself in. Um, Ben Wintle at Shabba underscore Dabba. Solid Solid Handle. Uh, After Tate's brilliant game, are you guys even slightly worried that you might have to do a show in the buff? He looked like a pro bowler last night. Obviously, Hart is letting the team down, but if one of them makes it, does that mean one uh, one of you has to succumb to the bet? Well, regular listeners will know this bet if you're a first-time listener, first-time caller. Then me and my regular co-host, Nathan, uh, said that any pro bowlers on this team this year, we will do the show naked. And I think we ought to... Uh, Honour that bet. So, yes, Ben, we will be getting our kit off. Uh, Matt Moon at Matt Moon. Hello, Matt. Although the circumstances leading to it aren't great, I like seeing angry Dalton. Man wants to win. And, of course, this refers to Andy Dalton's spike when he uh, scored, ran in for that touchdown. He really gave some welly. And, yeah, I don't think anybody's, uh, you know, Uh, criticizing or calling into question the passion and the desire in this team. Well, maybe some people are, but, you know, you see in press conferences, they're angry. They don't know quite what's going on there. You know, they need, uh, they want to win. You know, tanking, as I say, is a concept in fans only. Players do not play this game half-assed because if they do, A, they're going to get injured and B, there's a lot of professional pride at stake here. So, uh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, Ross, at Dalton to AJ, we solid handle. Weird game. We were never in it, but kind of were, if that makes sense. Shout out to Jerry and Tate. Uh, thought they were brilliant. Uh, do you guys have any idea what the story is with guy Guys been hardly used. Ah, oh, well, hopefully see a certain Mr Green back soon. Yeah, John Jerry did fine. He's a four-string left tackle. He did fine. I, you know, expectations should be low. He's been out of football for a year. He's in his 30s. He's happy to be there. And he did reasonably well last night, as I say, from that um, final drive. I think we spoke about Eifert last week. Uh, he had a few catches last night. I don't think he's looking as dynamic or as... He's lost that certain spark. Now, it could be age. It could be the injuries catching up with him. If it is, it's a real shame. But there is the flip side to this, that if you look at the Rams, they don't use, or they well, they don't still use tight ends that regularly. So maybe we were hoping uh, against hope, really, about the tight ends, you know. I think they ought to. Because we've got a decent tight end room, I think. Maybe. I don't know. Maybe, again, maybe we're sort of being in that Bengals bubble and overrating. Uh, Jam at Baguette Disco. Solid handle. Tupu looked good when he was on the field. He did indeed. He, He did a few, you know, he stood out, I have to say. Not least because of his massive size, but because he got some penetration and he made some nice tackles. Ken Troop at Super Trooper 64. Solid <laughs> Another poor game plan. I can't work out why Brian Callahan is getting no negative mentions. I live in a small house, and covered more yards going to the loo than the team got in the first quarter. Six. Well, I can't complain because that is true. I don't know, I'm not quite sure what Brian's doing. Um, interesting. I mean, he's highly rated, isn't he, old old Callers? But he's. I don't know. I don't know. They're all going to have to have a look at themselves. Have a look at yourselves. Dreams of Witness. Hello, Jimmy at uh, D Witness, uh, our old friend Jimmy in Japan. Hope you're safe with all the tornado business going on. They look pretty crazy. Uh, No further excuses. We thought we'd got we'd get some sexy play with a new coach. So far, it's been as stagnant as a shallow pond in the middle of celebrities' nightclub. Sorry, there's a there's a mid. We come from more or less the same hometown, so celebrities' nightclub. You can probably guess what celebrities' nightclub is like. It's a there are puddles of beer on the dance floor. Everyone. Is uh, the men are wearing uh, far too much aftershave and buckled shoes, and uh, the women aren't wearing much at all. And uh, they uh, anyway, you should go. It's good. It's a good place. Uh, Tom McDowell at wagat.dd. This is a big question. Hypothetical: Bengals are drafting top three and get a trade offer containing a plethora of picks for a team to move up. Do you go QB? or fill multiple holes in the roster. Now, I really feel as though Nathan should be here for this. I think he'd be licking his cockney lips at this one. Um, oh, Matt, because he's absolutely right. What happens if the Bengals do get an offer to trade down and get their first and another first, or whatever it might be? It would be tempting, because lower down, you've got people perhaps like Jake Fromm, another quarterback, and Burrow, who's being talked about. Um, I don't know. I don't know. I, I think if they did that, there'd be—I mean—Bengals Twitter would just self-immolate. I think it would explode. It would—it would go into some sort of crazy meltdown, the likes of which we've never seen before, which is saying something. Um, I mean, there's an argument for it, isn't there? Especially in your—if you're in full rebuild mode, you want to get as many picks as possible, and if we're not selling off the the crown jewels, then, um, I don't know. There's an argument, isn't there? But if we are picking top three, which is likely at the moment, um, some quarterbacks are going to be there. I mean, can they resist passing up the idea of a brand new franchise quarterback for the next decade? I don't know. It's, It's... well, I don't know. It's a really difficult question. I think if they don't, and they did go that way, which, again, I think is a valid way to to rebuild, then there would be hell to pay. Let us know what you think. I think it's a great question. And Andrew Townsend, at Andrew Townsend 2, uh, responded to that. Uh, you have got to fill the holes in the roster first. Dalton is perfectly serviceable and can help shape the future of Taylor's Bengals. Drafting a QB still leaves us as a bottom-ranked team, in my opinion. Let's have one more draft and free agency for Taylor, and then let's go QB if needed. See, that is, again, a valid argument, I think. Um, You know, we could go another tackle. let get rid of Bobby Hart, you know. I mean, I think he's probably tiny for the next two years, isn't he? So, Matt, just kick him onto the bench and draft another starting tackle, perhaps. Or some monster pass rusher, you know. Um, it's it's an argument. But then again, the flip side is, let's go QB because we need some energy. We need a fresh start. We need to get the fan base excited. And there's nothing like getting people excited than uh, drafting a quarterback. So, got to wait and see. Uh, dunk and Donuts at Dastardly Duncan. I firmly believe we need to be looking at taking a QB in next year's draft. Duncan makes his point there. I'm completely done with Andy Dalton now. Bad line or not, his decision-making is atrocious this season, but shouldn't we look at Finley first to see what he can do? You've got the likes of Kyle Allen, Gardner Minshew, even the Squealers guy last night getting a chance to play and sometimes even looking better than their predecessor. If we're not giving Finlay a look after 0-8 or so, then we need to be asking questions of management. I would like to see Finley in there at some point, uh, but I think later on in the season. I agree. Warrior at WarriorNate99. If the draft was today, guys, and we have the pick of the QBs, which one are you both taking? I won't answer that one now because I don't know. And we're going to talk to Andrew Dockerel next week about uh, some prospects. Uh, Liam, um, At Bengals UK blog, I thought we were weak as f at getting off blocks. Vigil was horrendous. O-line is trash and I'm not sure it's all personnel. Jim Turner is a f**king clown. He has no place in the league after his antics at other teams. I have too much to complain about, but I do love this team. And I really like a lot of our players. I feel so sorry for them. Some, thought, some though I cannot stand. Honestly, if I was as bad as Bobby Hart, I'd f*** off to Canada in shame. Thanks, Liam. Um, tactical Giles at Giles Row. I kind of see what they're trying to do schematically, calling quick hits to nullify the fact that the line is, is historically bad, but no screens to mix in, no eye for over the middle. Mixing is best in space, so... Uh, so ISO behind bad guards is the answer. Come on, man. Let's just hope it's not a Marvin season. Marvin Lewis would rally the troops and get us to six and ten or five and eleven. We really need to start considering tanking the season. Mike Brown will never agree with that strategy though, and neither do I, Giles. I do not want us to tank. I do not want us. I just think that's bad, really. Uh, you know, and also, you know, Marvin got us to the playoffs five years in a row. He didn't just get it in in recent past couple of years. Yes, he always gave you that hope and maybe it did kind of mask some of the problems. But, you know, I'm not having it. Marvin needs some credit for the work he did. And Marvin, remember, got us to the playoffs. He kept us relevant. That's hard to do in this league, getting us to the playoffs five years in a row. I think it was six out of seven years or something like that. You know, he had a successful stint in Cincinnati and yes, I know he didn't win a playoff game, but getting us to the playoffs uh you know, it's easy to look back at these last 3 years and think he did a bad job. And there were element and I think we all agree that a change uh, was needed, but come on man. You say come on man. Come on man. Oh, I do agree with you on some of the things though. Uh c- uh all I need are some dot 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 intriguing handled there. Uh, At Sarkar, or Sharkar, 2004. Amazing how everyone always seems to have career days or break records against the Bengals. They have been especially very generous to uh, Lamar Jackson, absolutely. Um, uh, Jamie as well tweeted before I rang him, we're looking for green sheets of growth in the wreckage of the season. Auden Tate is the greatest full-time uh, Jesse Bates looks okay yesterday. We got a touchdown on special teams. Look, there are positives. I know it's tough. I know it's horrible. And they are a horrible team at the moment. But, um, you know, let's... I don't know what we should do, really. I mean, I was going to say look at the positives, but I don't want to patronise you guys, you know. Um, I'm, just, I'm just really disappointed, as I say. You know, I thought the offence was going to be fun to watch this year, and it's not. I'm disappointed with the defence, really disappointed to the defence. Yes, Okay. so let's finish off with Peter Dadswell at Dadders. Yes, a loss is a loss, but I came away from the loss to the Ravens, feeling not as depressed as previous weeks. It had a feel of a young, inexperienced Bengals side with healthy contributions from Tate on offence. Pratt, Andrew Brown, Wren and Reynolds, often at the same time on defence. The Bengals were outplayed, they gashed us in the run, yet we still kept it close. In fact, we won the second half, and I kind of just agree with that. If it wasn't for that bloody, you know, ridiculous 10-minute 18-play drive, I did think we were in with the sniff there. But anyway, Bengals have a lot to do to become a consistently winning team, but I'm getting closer to accepting that the first win and a bit of momentum isn't too far away. And you know what? I'm, you know... I'm actually, again, I don't want it to kind of um, mask the problems because we all know what they are and we all know what needs addressing. But I do think if this team wins a game, I think we could end up winning, you know, maybe five games this year. Again, that's terrible. Certainly, uh, in terms of the expectations, every everybody had before the start of the season, but where we are now, that would be something, and that would show fight, that sh- would show personal responsibility, and that word that Zach keeps losing some accountability. So let's, I, I'm going to keep carrying on getting behind this team, even though it is difficult to watch sometimes. Uh, but as I say, there are some fun things coming up, and uh, next week uh, Nathan won't be back. I think he's coming back. Um, Uh, on Monday, uh, let's hope for a win against Jacksonville. The Jaguars, who are pretty poor this season, um, Gardner Minshew, who we all love because of his style and his attitude, uh, is coming to Paul Brown same next week. Um, I think there is a chance for a win. It's going to be tough. You know, those guys like uh, Leonard Fournette and Ryquell Armstead and those sort of guys are going to be tough. Uh, and we're not very good against the run, obviously. But let's hope we can get a win. Because wouldn't it be great if the Bengals came over to London with a win under their belt? They're on neutral ground. They've got a bit of confidence back. We're going to be cheering them on. We're going to get absolutely leathered in the pub with as many legends as we can. Uh, we can't wait for that. So there are some positives. So I, I urge you to cling on to that. Uh So that's it, really. I hope you didn't mind me blathering along on my own. Uh, We'll get to Andy Dockerel and a few other people next week, I promise you. Uh, But until then, uh, with the 90s at the forefront of my mind, not in Bengals, not in a Bengals way, uh, I thank uh, Lindsay Patterson and Jamie for joining us. And uh, I will say this. It's a who day from me.